Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Nori with you. Richard Estep first got involved with paranormal research back in 1995 in the United Kingdom after attending an overnight investigation at the very infamous church called the Skidbrook Church. He spent the next five years investigating the haunted hamlets of Great Britain as a member of Andrew Wright's Leicester-based team. Richard co-founded the Boulder County Paranormal Research Society with his wife, Laura, after relocating to the United States back in 1999. He's got a number of books out there, including In Search of the Paranormal, The World's Most Haunted Hospitals, Haunted Healthcare, The Great American Ghost Trip. Richard, welcome back to the program. Good morning, George. It's a pleasure and a privilege to be here. Thank you. And thank you, by the way, for moving here. I'm glad you did. Oh, I I am too. In fact, uh, America has been good to me. The United States has been very kind to me, and it's it's my home, and it's a pleasure to be here. We get out to Boulder every month. we got to get together when we're out there on one of our trips. Yeah, you and I shot uh, a show together, I think, last year, wasn't it? Yep, absolutely. That was fun. Seems like a lifetime ago now. What compelled you to go traveling for ghosts? Well, it's really no different than someone who goes traveling to follow a a music tour or any other hobby. We all have our passions in life, don't we? Um, Some people like to spend their weekends watching a bunch of uh, guys throw a ball around in a stadium. I just like to go to old and supposedly haunted buildings and try and uncover the truth. And you, your, your, your journey was what, about 4,000 miles, a road trip? Yeah, it was. I mean, the only, um, I would say, partial truth in this book is that on the cover I said it was a 4,000-mile journey. I, I rounded up, it was exactly 3,871 miles from, from Boulder, Colorado, uh, east, way east out to uh, Fort Mifflin was the furthest east I got on the Delaware in Pennsylvania, and back again. And every night on this trip, we stopped at a haunted location. Let's start with the Malvern Manor in Iowa. Tell us about that. Yeah, 500 miles from my front door, give or take about 20 miles. Malvern Manor, I'd written a book about several years ago. It's one of my favorite haunts, built as a hotel for the railroad. When Americans, of course, discovered the automobile, the railroads became a less popular way of traveling across the U.S., so Malvern Manor became a care home for the elderly, for the uh, needy, for the addicted, um, and uh, kind of a recovery center as well. So that fell into disrepair and was shut down uh, in the beginning of the 21st century and has quite the reputation for being haunted. And whenever I'm in Iowa, it's a must-stop for me. I adore Malvern Manor, and I spent my first night uh, taking a safety nap there at Malvin. Richard, what did this traveling trip teach you about the other side? You know, what's interesting is that it taught me as much about America um, as it did about the other side. So if I may, the reason I, I wanted to do this trip was as a kid growing up in England, I was obsessed with American movies. And the road trip seems to be um, not a uniquely American phenomenon, but I'd say it's a defining characteristic of American culture. Would you agree? Yes, no question about it. And I grew up on movies like Smokey and the Bandit and Cannonball Run and stuff like that because I'm a child of the 70s. So I had always wanted to do an epic road trip across the U.S. Um, And doing it with uh, haunted locations at every single stop 
seemed a natural fit to me and uh, my band of fellow investigators and paranormal enthusiasts. So, Did it amaze uh, you how many different paranormal spots there actually are? You know, honestly, we did 12 of them, George, and we barely scratched the surface. Every state of the Union has its own unique history, and therefore, wherever you find history, of course, you find ghosts, and so has its own unique ghost stories. Uh, the Midwest, uh, which is just kind of to the east of Colorado, uh, has its own unique ghost stories, and then as you get further towards the East Coast, of course, they change in nature and character just a little bit. So as the history changes, so do the haunting. As we travel around from Iowa, you went into Indiana, and you found a couple uh, interesting haunted places there. Absolutely. Uh, Indiana has a whole bunch of um, haunted locations. In this case, I stopped at the infamous Monroe House in Hartford City uh, and kind of twin, twin that up with the Blackford County Jail, which is a stone's throw away from the Monroe House. Now, these two locations are so close, paranormal investigators that visit one will often get evidence that seems to be coming from the other location and vice versa. So I'd wanted to set up an experiment or two um, with investigators at each location at the same time to see if we could get some kind of communication going back and forth, which was pretty successful. What made these two places so haunted, Richard? So the Monroe House is interesting because there are unidentified human remains uh, in the basement of the house. Oh, geez. Um, the police are well aware of it, have not deemed this to be suspicious, but nobody knows who these people, this person at least, but probably people are. So there's some speculation that perhaps the house was built on a cemetery. Um, but there are other darker theories as well. Uh, and the truth is nobody knows for sure. But when you have bodies buried um, in unconsecrated ground, that speaks of unfinished business, which of course is something that ties in with hauntings. Are the bodies still down there? So the bones uh, certainly are still down there. They are in a crawl space underneath the house. The um, the nope. owner of the house basically boarded it up once the police said they didn't want to investigate the nature of the bones, and they are still there. And, of course, it's one of the most haunted houses in that state. That's kind of creepy, isn't it? Not kind of creepy, George. It is creepy. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the basement of the Monroe House looks every bit like the basement of the house from the Silence of the Lambs. You oh, wouldn't be surprised God. if somebody lowered a basket with some lotion down to you when, you, when you're down there. Um, and, yeah, it, it is genuinely creepy. And the mystery of this, whose bones are they, um, has still not been solved. And did police check to see if they were even uh, part of a foul play or something? The police looked into the matter. This was reported uh, by the owner of the house uh, to the police, and they determined that they didn't think foul play was involved, and they did not want to pursue the matter any further. So I'm not sure I'd want to live and sleep above bones. <laughs> and, you know, nobody lives there. Um, the, the house is deserted, and only paranormal investigators visit. And we had a number of strange things happen while we were there. Uh, I decided that I was going to write the majority of this book on the road, which was a real challenge uh, if you ever tried to write 70,000 words in 12 days in between driving. It's, it, it's a challenge. but um, It's not easy I, even it, at a typewriter, let alone on the road. Absolutely not, no. And I ended up writing about half of the book as we went and uh, half of the book afterwards when I'd done some evidence review. But I will never forget, I slept upstairs in one of the bedrooms alone uh, our first night at the Monroe House. 
And in the early hours of the morning, I was fast asleep uh, after a very long and tiring drive. One of my colleagues woke up to go to the restroom, and she heard me typing on my keyboard. So she stuck her head around the door, and she said that my keyboard was set up, my iPad, right next to my bed where I'd left it, and uh, I was fast asleep. So whoever had been typing had not been me. Richard, what makes a place haunted? Do you mean why is a place haunted? Yeah, what what contributes to that? You know, strong emotion tends to be it. Whether you see a strong positive emotion, somebody loved the place a great deal, part of them seems to remain after they pass on, or very negative emotion to someone was deeply unhappy in a place. And, of course, we see locations where people met an untimely end, and uh, those tend to have a greater propensity to being haunted than, than an ordinary home would be. You moved on to the Randolph County Asylum. Tell us about that, and where is that exactly? Yeah, that is about 50 miles uh, from Hartford City in, unsurprisingly, Randolph County. What fascinated me about this place is, although it's called an asylum slash infirmary, what this actually was, this big, grand old building, is a poor farm. And I'm sure your listeners are familiar with the idea, but for anyone that isn't, this was a place where, especially during the Great Depression kind of era, if you could not afford to support yourself, Uh, No matter what your age was, maybe you couldn't work, maybe you were ill, maybe you had special needs or something of that nature, then you went to one of these poor farms and you worked the land as best you could. You you found some way to contribute, and these places farmed for themselves. They were self-sustaining, essentially an orphanage for people of all ages. And, And poor farms became a home for those who had no home. They became a family unit. Um, but you would see men and women in there with significant emotional uh, and mental problems, with severe disabilities, things of that nature, all living together under one roof. And sometimes uh, it went smoothly and sometimes it did not. So places like Randolph County always have a colorful and often somewhat checkered history. Do you find, Richard, that some places are desecrated by people because they want to investigate so much? Yes, unfortunately, that is true. They, they can be, and you should never trespass. Uh, always seek the permission of a, a property owner, George, uh, in order to, to conduct any kind of paranormal investigation or even visit. And I think there are some places where you simply shouldn't investigate at all. And one of those places we'll, uh, we'll talk about uh, when we get to Pennsylvania. And as we make our way to Scranton, Pennsylvania, what made you decide to go out that way? So this was absolute instinct on my part, but we were heading from Indiana East towards our next stop, which was Gettysburg. And Uh along the way, I saw a sign for the um, 9-11 United Airlines Flight 93 Memorial, and I wanted to go pay my respects. Um, I became a firefighter in 2001. I joined the emergency services because of the events of 9-11 and served for 15 years. Um, as a firefighter and still work as a paramedic today all because of those events. So thank you. So I wanted to go and pay my respects at the memorial. And something people have asked me about, because I did write about this in my book, they said, you know, were you tempted to take a voice recorder? Were you tempted to do some EVP stuff? And I said, absolutely not. Some places are so raw. Some places are so sacred. It would be disrespectful in the extreme to do what we do there. And so um, the entirety of my afternoon uh, in that field in Pennsylvania was paying respects and, and 
experiencing the emotion that only hallowed ground like that can bring. I've heard that Gettysburg is loaded with ghost stories. Oh, absolutely, Gettysburg. I think pound for pound would be the most haunted town in the United States, if, if I had to put money on it. Um, it was one of the, the bloodiest battlefields of the Civil War, of course, but there just seems to be something about that town and the area around it, that the echoes of that weekend, uh, that long four-day stretch in July 1863 still linger today, not just in, on the battlefield, of course, but in the streets, in the houses, the historic homes. So I spent three days with my team investigating at Gettysburg and also attending the, the wonderful Gettysburg Battlefield Bash, which is a charity convention put on by Pam and Steve Barry to benefit uh, the Wounded Warrior Foundation and other charities of that nature. Can you feel apparitions when you're at Gettysburg? Can you sense something? Not me personally. I, I have all the psychic sensitivity of the average house breath, George, let me tell you. <laughs> um, but uh, I do have colleagues uh, that I took along with me that are sensitive. Uh, Sam Baltrusis, uh is is a renowned medium, and uh, he, he said that pretty much everywhere you go in Gettysburg, um, he's experiencing those kind of energies. One of my colleagues uh, had a breakdown, an emotional breakdown, after being there for two days. And when I asked her what was wrong and how could we help, she said, it's just all so much. I just feel the, this tremendous she weight of sadness and sorrow, you know. Um, That's something. And she was never able to get over it. She actually had to, had to leave. Once she left, was she better? Instantly. Wow. There's a place called the Orphanage. Yes. So there, there are many um, tragic stories associated with Gettysburg, but the Orphanage is particularly sad because it was established to care for the, the orphans of the battle, those who had lost their, their fathers. Um, and everything went well until a new matron called Rosa Carmichael took up residence there. Now, we obviously know that parenting back in the, the mid to late 1800s was significantly harsher than it was than it is today. But you can only call the way Rosa Carmichael treated those children abuse. Yes, She shackled them up in the basement for hours, if not days on end, with little to no food or water. She had older children beat younger children. She would lock them outdoors in freezing cold temperatures um, until they almost died of hypothermia. And so the, the basement, especially of the orphanage, the cell, uh, or they call it the dungeon, where Rosa used to chain those children up, has a reputation for being very, very haunted indeed. And um, many visitors there experience feelings of tremendous sadness, sorrow. Uh, some are pushed, some are shoved. But it's not all dark and it's not all doom and gloom either, George. Many report the sound of children laughing and running around and playing as if they are happy. Yeah, they're probably like Chucky dolls. <laughs> I, I get, there are plenty of toys there. People that visit like to bring toys for the children so that they can enjoy in death what they didn't enjoy in life, which I think is very sweet indeed. There was a civilian who died at the Battle of Gettysburg. She was probably the only civilian who died during that battle. She was definitely the only civilian who died during that battle, which is miraculous if you think about it. Um, when the two armies clashed, the civilians of the town were told, go down to your cellars and don't come out until the shooting stops, which took three days. 
uh, although people did, uh, some of them would come upstairs at night a little bit. But Virginia Jenny Wade was baking bread for the Union soldiers uh, and was shot. Uh, accidentally, it's believed, the bullet passed through the outside door of the house, oh. through the kitchen door, uh, and hit her in the torso. Uh, and she died in what is now known as the Jenny Wade house, although she didn't actually own it. A statue of Jenny stands outside the house and... Uh, the house is named after her to this day. She is one of only two women in the United States, in fact, where the Stars and Stripes flag flies over her grave 24-7, 365. Does she haunt this house? You know, something does. And I always avoid leaping to conclusions. So I'm not going to say it's necessarily Jenny Wade. But Jenny's body was brought down by Union soldiers into the cellar uh, with her family and then once the battle was over, she was hastily buried in the, the garden outside before she could be properly interred. So for three days, the, the poor family sheltered with her, her dead body down in that cellar. Uh, and a number of people quite regularly visiting the orphanage experienced strange phenomena. Footsteps running through the house, um, disembodied voices, touches, things of that nature. Nothing aggressive that I've ever heard of, but Definitely um, walking into that house, George, it's like going back in time because it's one of those houses where it's mirrored on both sides, like a duplex, mm -hmm. you know? right. two houses separated by a common wall. But when Jenny was killed, the Union soldiers had to get from one side of the house to the other. And to go into the street would have been death. It was a bullet storm out there. So they smashed a hole through the dividing wall upstairs between bedrooms and passed Jenny's body through to the safer side of the house. Um, and so it's, it's remarkable that that, that uh, separation is still there. The house looks a lot like it would have done uh, on the day of her death in 1863. There's even a piece of the bloody floorboard on which she died uh, on display. Does a haunted house necessarily mean evil? No, um, not remotely. In fact, I would say that when I began my career as a paranormal investigator in 1995, the majority of the cases I was called to investigate were very pleasant and very light and very friendly. Um, it's my theory that as Hollywood uh, and reality TV has gotten entrenched, we see more and more of the darker side of things in, in the media because that's unfortunately what sells. That's right. That's right. And when you go on a ghost hunt for television, you have to come up with some conclusion. You do. You have to have an end. Um, of the several books that I've written on this subject, I regularly get comments such as, you know, I really enjoyed how much paranormal there wasn't in this book. Because if I find nothing, I'll write that I found nothing. Um, many paranormal investigations are just hours spent um, fruitlessly. But I would say perhaps that's how 90% of a paranormal investigator's time is spent. But the 10% um, where you do have bizarre things going on more than makes up for that 90% of tedium. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.